back again and we have a lot of exciting baseball news and content in the world of independent league baseball so strap on in for episode 51 of the indie ball report podcast Back again, episode 51 of a very serious baseball discussion show. Only the top minds of the industry will ever agree to come onto the show. That's oh. how serious we are. Oh, we are so serious. We won't even take Buster Olney. I'm so serious. I'm so serious. I don't even know how serious I am anymore. He's so serious, we started calling him Shirley. That's right. Just <laughs> Shirley can't be that serious. Oh, my name's not Shirley. You have settled down, airplane. Any case, <laughs> we are back again. We have a whole bunch of different things to talk about. We got a rapid fire again. Wow. We got, uh, let's see, what else we got? We got expansion. We got contraction. We got um, a lot of players leaving the Atlantic League still or not returning to the Atlantic League. Ooh. And then we got a little bit of a, a fun exercise at the very end after the rapid fire round. So I suppose we should just jump headlong into into this and we'll start with those players leaving the atlantic league so most notably rick teasley has left the atlantic league he has left somerset and decided to go to the claiborne rail riders in addition to that a couple other patriots left tyler cloud who if you'll remember was with somerset for approximately till june or so i believe i believe he was left in the end of may he went to the uh, tacoma rainers mariners triple a team and spent the rest of the season there. And then Liam O'Sullivan, who was one of the better pitchers that stayed the whole year in Somerset, he also will leave with Cloud and head to the Sioux City Explorers. All three going to the American Association. It continues the ongoing trend of, well, Atlantic Leaguers leaving for what is probably the most comparable league in independent league baseball. Yeah, I mean, this is not something that's surprising. It's a trend, and it seems to be something that is really on the mind of all of the Atlantic League players right now that are free agents thinking about, well, do I re-sign with this Atlantic League club, even somewhere like the Patriots, which has a really prestigious name, really good history, but... Unfortunately, it just doesn't seem to be something with these rule changes and the fact that the MLB is kind of lording over uh, the Atlantic League, at least it, it looks that way. It might not actually be that way, but that is perception by a lot of players and fans. And if that's the case, a lot of players are jumping ship and I can't blame them. Exactly. I mean, in the article that's been co-authored, that will be up at probably the end of next week. We've been talking to a lot of guys that have left the Atlantic League. Uh, some of them you'll know. Some of them, uh, we got to keep the names out of it just uh, there uh, for their consideration. But the general consensus is not knowing what rules are going to be in effect week to week is really annoying and very difficult to play with. And a lot of them just feel like it is almost disrespectful to the game and disrespectful to the players to be implementing some of the rules you're changing. Things like stealing first base, it just makes it seem like a joke. And I see where they're coming from, and I do agree with it on a lot of those rule changes. Some of them, I think, if they had a problem with it, it's more get-over-yourself type things. But certainly with things like stealing first base, the shifting at this level, um, there's a slew of other ones I'm sure we could dive into. I'm sure uh, at this point next month we're going to have the new rules, or at least a starting point for the new rules for next year to discuss. But depending on how extreme they get, you definitely see where they're coming from on this. Oh, 100%. I mean, I I think that's the the thing that we've been saying all along is 
uh, it makes perfect sense to us. If, if you don't have this type of respect that you think you deserve. And like you said, some of them might be, some of the players might be thinking a little bit overblown uh, on these issues. But by the same token, if you're not having the same consistency that you've had for your entire career, especially if you're a veteran, these type of changes are just going to be so unsettling to you that you'd rather not deal with them. Exactly. I mean, it's a lot of higher level guys we've seen move on. We've seen former major leaguers like Latos go on. Yeah. Cloud, technically a major leaguer. He had some time with Miami and Seattle in the past. Yep. Uh, David Washington, again, also another guy that was a was a uh, major leaguer. Dallas Beeler, guys like that. Then other just really solid independent league guys. Guys like you'll see with O'Sullivan, with Teasley, with uh, Massey, a bunch of other guys. The list goes on and on. And to have to alter and change your plans week by week. And if you're trying to get back to Major League Baseball, which presumably is the goal of about 95% of the players in the Atlantic League, is to get back to that Major League system and eventually Major League Baseball, it's very difficult when you're playing by a different set of rules because it kind of alters how scouts are going to see you. And again, it's also difficult just to be in the proper mindset to play baseball when you have a whole different set of rules. And more so than all of that even, when you have the major issue of just you don't know what rules you're going to be playing in, and if you're playing with unfamiliar rules, how can you perform well? Oh, exactly. And if they keep moving the bar, like you're saying, to it's a new rule this week and a new rule that week, then how are you going to be able to ever get into the consistently consistency and the fluidity that you need to in order to be moving throughout the season? So it's just something that is... Uh, a really unfortunate thing that's happening right now to uh, the Atlantic League. Exactly, and it's it's a continuing issue with the partnership at times. There's moments where you go, okay, all is really good. You'll see, I say, in the beginning of the year, especially how you get that slew of just signings of you know guys to major league systems and whatnot. Right. But at the same time, we've seen issues where obviously some of the rule changes have been less than popular and less than effective in their goal. Right. Uh, obviously, now you have this kind of exodus happening. And then if you'll remember back only about a month or a month and a half ago, when players were trying to get their data and so that way they could, you know, shop their services around, they couldn't access it. Yeah. Which is, again, a problem. And again, something that the California League seemingly had figured out and seemingly a lot of these other kind of scouting organizations and kind of, I suppose, uh, more or less feeder leagues yeah. that exist have done well. It's not that hard of an issue here, especially if you just put into one kind of data system where it's a portal and you just type in your lock and information and it pops up. It shouldn't be that hard. It would be too easy, right? And it's these type of issues that aren't, it seems kind of rushed. It seems kind of slipshod in the way that it's thrown together. Something that's very un-Atlantic League, if we look historically, mm. the Atlantic League is usually very pragmatic and very precise when they implement things. And this just isn't the way they usually do business. Exactly. And that's a good point to bring up because they are, they have been that kind of gold standard for a very long time. Yeah. And you'd think with major league banking that this would go even smoother, but it seems, I don't want to say rush or slapdash, but it does seem, you know, not very well thought out. It doesn't seem well executed, which is kind of odd when you consider the parties involved, but right. It's certainly uh, not precise. So let's put it that way. It's, it's not, not, it's not done with a, a level of precision that you would expect both of these leagues to do. Exactly. It's just, it's a problem that's ongoing and something that at first I thought, okay, well, maybe, you know, this, this is just kind of a, it's not a make or break issue. I thought maybe it's just something that pushes it over. Plus, you do see a lot of turnover and whatnot. But this year, it just seems to be excessive. It seems like this is more than in the past. And it's turning into, at least from what I can see and from what I hear and from the research I do, 
to be more of a deciding factor as opposed to just something that kind of tilts the scales one way or the other. It seems to be more of the issue as opposed to one of the issues. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's something that's really being a problem for the Atlantic League is this, if this continues, uh, this trend continues into not only this offseason, but next offseason, because they still have one more year on that partnership. Mm. If they continue to lose players at this clip, it's just something that'll be very detrimental overall to the league. Just if you look at it from a fan perspective as well, I'm not going to go to see, let, I mean, if the average fan isn't going to go to see mm. the guys, you know, guys that they don't really know that well. I mean, that's just the reality of independent league baseball. You have to have some of the bigger names. You have to have Latos. You have to have, you need a draw Massey. you know, these type of guys who were, if not MLB guys, were at least the same name over and over again. Exactly. They're, they're a name, they're a draw. If you're not going to get that kind of big name guy to kind of bring you into the marketplace, then you're going to need some other gimmick or some other attraction right. to get you there. And, you know, with the Atlantic League, sure, they could do either or, but they've kind of come to the standard of, okay, it's going to be quality baseball on top of the other things that are going to get you in the door. We've discussed the business aspect of this before in the past, and yeah. the same thing applies here. And I mean, we're restating a lot of what we've said in the past, but nothing's really changed. There's still the same issue that you have. And I'm really curious because I'm going to be reaching out again for the article. It's the last bit of gathering things and soon going to be the actual creation of it right. in the next few days. I really want to know from the management how much of this is an actual problem. Is this something that you're concerned about? Because frankly, it seems like something that would be a bit concerning. Because once you lose that name of, okay, there's always going to be a couple of guys where you go, oh yeah, I remember him. He played for X major league team. It's really hard to get that back. I mean, you come to expect from the Atlantic League at first in the early 2000s, guys like you'd see like Canseco, Ricky Henderson, yeah, Henderson. Armando Benitez, I yeah. believe Jose Mesa as well. I think a, so, yeah. a lot of big name guys. You go, oh, okay, I, I know that name. And now it's Tracy kind of, McGrady, even switching I mean, sports, yeah. you know? Yeah, Roger Clemens to that yeah. same extent. Uh-huh. Obviously, a little bit different there, but still. Right. Point is, there there was a lot of big names, and then it became more of what you'd expect from independent league baseball. You see your Brian LaHares, you'd see your kind of. Uh, Oh, Rivera, who was the one? Well, Rene Rivera, but that's, that's not the one I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. He uh, played for the Mets in the Mets system, and then the uh, Nats signed him off Long Island last year. Oh, gosh. Uh, TJ Rivera. That's it. Yep. TJ Rivera, that kind of a guy. A lot of guys like that. Matt Latos, again, another example of that. Yeah. When you have those kinds of guys here that are coming in there, you're like, okay, well, I should see at least one or two former major league guys and a lot of AAA quality talent. And something that you bring up there where when this kind of deteriorates, if the, and we'll talk about the MILB thing in just a little bit, but if that situation becomes untenable and they wind up splitting and you have this dream league thing that turns out to be, you got to wonder, okay, how's that, is that going to siphon off guys from the independent league system? Because essentially it's a glorified indie league that's MLB sanctioned with their branding. Right. I mean, it's not even, yeah, exactly. It's, it's basically an independent league that is going to open up and can the Atlantic league compete is the real question because the frontier league, it's got its niche market, the American association, again, another niche market and the Atlantic league has always been kind of the, like you're saying gold standard. And if the gold standard is not there anymore and you have a new league, that's the gold standard plus a decline in the Atlantic league, you're just not going to see as many people go to the Atlantic League and less people go to the Atlantic League games, and it'll just be a whole mess, I think. Yeah, no, it's that's precisely it. And it's just, 
it's the issue that's going to exist there. Or if you don't solve it now, it's going to just snowball. And it's one of those things where I don't want to be saying the sky's falling if it's not actually falling, but it does seem like one of those smaller things that starts to deteriorate and one of the things that you don't really pick up on until when you look back and go, yep, right here. Right. And I mean, you, you don't want to be looking back at that moment where you go, yep, right here. This was the moment where it all went wrong and we did nothing. We ignored the problem because we said it's not that bad. Yeah, I mean, the sky's not falling. It's not a boulder falling down. It's a pebble, but that's how it starts. Well, the pebble. boulders are in the other league. Ah, okay, okay. But it's the, it's, it's the, it's a smaller, uh, rock compared to a bigger one that's falling. And, and you've got to try to figure out if that'll, uh, if the smaller rock is just, you know, a little bit coming off or if it's going to be a big deal. And you have to be very scared if you're a Somerset Patriots or if you're a different team, you might want to see if you get into this dream league. I mean, that's certainly one element to it. I don't, I'm not necessarily sure you're going to see the Atlantic League teams start jumping around here. It seems a lot more like just these 42 markets. They're like, oh, we don't want to totally tell them that they're shit out of luck for a team, you know, that you're just going to lose and it's going to be nothing. We need to at least have some sort of carrot thing there so that way you don't cause too much of a fuss. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, we'll talk more about that in depth in, in just a little bit. But uh, for right now, I think we can kind of shift gears and talk about something that's a, a bit of a happier note, which is some league expansion. Ooh, expansion. Yep. A league we don't cover terribly much, but, you know, it's news. And because it's the dead of winter and right before, you know, actual baseball news happens, we're like a month away from that fun thing yeah. called baseball. Uh, we do have some news to discuss in the Empire League. Ooh. So the Empire League, if you'll remember, it's one of the larger kind of prospect leagues on uh, the East Coast. It's kind of the East Coast version of the Pacific Association, only far better ran, and it's actually stable, and not getting beat up by the Pecos League, which is always a plus, by the way. That is always a plus, yes. In any case, so the Empire League is going to be expanding to Conyers, Georgia. Ooh. That was announced Thursday. Uh, they will play in Henson Carr Legion Field. That will start this season, so the 2020 season there. Uh, they will be known as the Georgia Rhinos. Ooh. And this is the exciting part. They will be managed by former major leaguer and son of Hall of Famer Tim Raines Jr. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yep, so we'll have Tim Raines Jr. taking the reins, if you would, Ooh. of the Rhinos, and he will guide them on. Uh, and this is just kind of a surprising expansion, though, because most of these teams are based in well, the Empire State, New York. Right. That's New York, it's Maine, it's that whole general New England region. There's one team, the Puerto Rican Islanders, I believe, or the Puerto Rico Islanders, something to that extent, which is does exist in that league. But to go to Georgia, it's really the first way out there continental u.s team so it's a bit surprising it is surprising and i think it's interesting it's a shows that the empire league is certainly trying to get its foothold in its markets and is being smart about expansion I, i'd be interested to see how it'll work obviously it sounds like it's a legion field so the mm. the cover cost on that is probably not as high yeah as no it's a they're, they're typically a low-cost league. Right. So, I mean, I think this type of thing is smart. I mean, if you have more teams in this type of a small league, it's bet more eyes, uh, more opportunity for to get talented players. So, it makes sense to me. Exactly. And we've seen a lot of guys come from this year. Andrew Geist, yeah. uh, Gavin Stupinski, who else was Zach Sullivan, who was in the Atlantic League and then jumped over to the, I believe, the American Association. I want to say Lincoln, but I'm not 100% certain I on that. I you're right on that. Regardless, though, still you do see a lot of guys kind of come from this league, and I think having uh, Tim Raines Jr. on board, too, is definitely going to help with the profile of not only the team, but the league itself is going to really kind of jump up getting a name like that. It's a solid 
big name guy where people can go, oh, okay, I know him. Right, absolutely. A, a veteran major leaguer guy and who's really a smart guy, good baseball guy. Obviously, his dad being a Hall of Famer. He's got a lot of name recognition. It makes a ton of sense if you're the Empire League. And like you said, it's adding a lot of credibility that was not there beforehand. Exactly. It's a solid league all the way around. And, you know, it's something interesting to watch out for. Their season starts in June. They have their uh, whole prospect camp chart and start to get their guys together. I believe end of March, April, they start to get everything together and then June they're away until the end of the summer. So be fun to watch that league go on and just wanted to bring that up quickly. We'll shift back to the MILB topic now because, you know, we We've kind of been steering away from providing constant updates on two reasons. A, it's affiliated baseball, so technically not really our realm. And B, there's always a lot of small updates. So, I mean, we could just constantly be reiterating everything every week, but that gets real tiring, and then you just kind of grow apathetic to the topic itself. Right. Which it's important enough where you shouldn't be apathetic to it. But just to kind of recap everything, the basic situation here is Way back in, I believe it was November or October, Major League Baseball decided that, okay, we're going to try and cull 42 minor league teams due to their stadium conditions and a variety of other factors. Uh, the 42 teams obviously were not very thrilled about you know being told that they're not going to exist anymore, and to which Major League Baseball said, no, you only exist in a dream league, to which nobody actually knows what that entirely means. All we know is it's not quite affiliated with Major League Baseball and that they're not really providing them with much money, but they still can use Major League branding. And yeah, it's really not fleshed out at all. No. Uh, so that was announced back then. Nothing much has really happened. A variety of different politicians and local officials and everybody's really been criticizing them saying it's kind of BS and your reasoning's really not entirely there. And realistically... Major League Baseball is profiting off of the system that exists here, and they're taking the players and everything from there. Oh, you should yeah. be playing. You should be paying these teams to upgrade their facilities for your prospects. And although it's understood that you technically sign an a, uh, affiliated agreement with these teams, so one year it could be with the Astros, and then the next year you could be with the Yankees at the same time. So if you're the Astros ownership, you don't really want to throw a $30 million investment into a team that, you know, cannot be yours anymore in five years once the agreement expires. However, at the same time, your guys are going through the system. You're paying the players there, which you're not paying them much, even though they just agreed to start paying them more, but still not much. Right. And so with all this, the general consensus, the billionaires that own the team should pay to upgrade the facilities yeah. because they're benefiting the most from that. And it's already a kind of low margins operation there. So that's basically where we were at. Okay, so now the new update here that's going to exist is we have a ways to go before we have an agreement, but we knew that. We also know that they're still touting their glorified indie league called Dream League that we know nothing about. <laughs> we also now have two politicians that are doing some, doing some things. Well, there we go. We have Chuck Schumer. Minority House Leader from New York. He is going to the Binghamton Rumble Pony Stadium, and he is going to be calling on Manfred and whatnot to, you know, knock it off with this crap. Right. Because it's crap. And, <laughs> well, it is. It is. And he's going to be doing that whole addressment, and supposedly he's talked to Manfred personally a handful of times about not contracting the New York teams. I mean, that's kind of his sphere, so I see why he's focusing on that. Sure. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is... 
Blumenthal, the senator from Connecticut. We've talked about him in the past and how he was very aggressive going at Major League Baseball and, you know, calling bull on this whole plan because it's a bull plan. Because it's a yeah, terrible plan. Yep, and he is introducing a resolution to, to the Senate that will call a Major League Baseball to abandon the contraction plan entirely. Ooh. This is similar to one that was proposed in the House last month, I believe around uh, January 28th or so, around then. Right. It was put through. Both bills have bipartisan support, so or both resolutions rather have uh, bipartisan support. So make of that what you shall. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those things where if you're able to do this from a political perspective, it makes a lot of sense. You're able to keep your constituents happy. And look, Major League Baseball has too much power. They're a monopoly over the baseball system. And Indy League teams are really the only thing fighting that monopoly. And so to for them to try to get rid of their minor league teams that do such a good and service to them is really a problem. Government-sanctioned monopoly, might I add. Government-sanctioned monopoly. They're given an antitrust exemption, from which Blumenthal in the past has said, we're willing to reopen that and debate that, from which would very much so damage Major League Baseball. Absolutely, and and I think that doesn't need to happen. We don't need to go this path. He's also threatened to take visas away that go to Major League players and kind of cut that and slow that process down and screw with that bit, which, again, a bit excessive, but still. Right, I mean, that's posturing for the most part there. I mean, that... If that's what's necessary to stop it from happening, then then it's a it's a it's a move I agree with. It's I, a necessary evil at that point. Agreed. I mean, I think the the biggest issue here is Major League Baseball has a lot of money. The game is not expanding in the way they had hoped it would at the major league level, and the minor league level it's still very strong. It's still very strong at the major league level at, as well. Their uh, ideas that you know. They need to, um, you know, it's somehow the onus should be on these minor league teams to have better facilities and be able to support their players more and have more fan support without these, without having, without putting all of the pressure on these minor league teams is ridiculous. And it just shows that Manfred is attempting to utilize his power in ways that, as we've talked about many times before on the show, are not in the best interest of baseball long term. Well, we already we know what Manfred thinks about baseball and that, you know, it's just a hunk of metal, so. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's just a piece of metal. It's just a piece of metal. I mean, it's just it's incredible. And I mean, I think that's what the the overall problem is, and I just can't I I can't respect the job that Manfred has done uh, in regard to this and many other things fine. uh, And he's been totally fine. I mean, commissioners are, I mean, commissioner is basically a way of saying you're a barrage balloon for the owners. Right. Of course. And, and so I'm sure he's done a good job to that. And, and the, but the owners need to be held responsible for helping out these Mm -hmm. minor league teams. And if they can't help the minor league teams out, then there really is a serious problem with major league baseball and they need to make it, so that there's more availability for these smaller markets. Exactly. It's it's ridiculous that you would expect a team in Bowling Green, Kentucky, that draws 4,000 people per game over about a 120-game-long se- season, of which you have about 60 home dates, to be able to afford to put in a state-of-the-art you know, rehabilitation <laughs> center yeah. amongst other facilities for players. It's ridiculous to have that expectation. Oh, 100%. Especially when you have a major league owner that, again, they're worth hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars i mean we're about to see the mets sell and the asking price is what three billion yeah which will probably come down because they won't be able to sell and have to go back to cohen and take his two and a half billion dollar offer but even still even a major market team like the mess that's gonna obviously be worth more than the tampa bay rays are worth right 
still, you saw what Kansas City sold for what about a billion? Yeah, I you, mean, if you can afford to drop a billion dollars on a major league baseball club, you can afford to drop, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars on upgrading your double A, you know, medical facility. And if the change that needs to be made is, you know, the teams are locked into their major league teams, if the affiliates are locked into their major league teams, I think that's a fair trade off to be made. Okay, we're going to invest in you, but you have to stay with us. At least for, a, I, I'd be open to that, but I do think if you say it's like open-ended till the end of time, yeah, like a reserve no, clause, that, that, that doesn't work. I think yeah. if you want to say, look, until we finish paying off the facility plus, right. say, 10 years, so say it's really more like a 15, 20-year thing. Yeah, that's fine. I, I yeah. see that'd be fine. And even then, you're investing in the game. That's what you have right. to look at. It. It's an investment in getting fans there. Because if you keep that kind of partnership going for however many years... You're going to have kids that grow up seeing the team at four, five, six years old. And sure, the team may be located in Johnson City, Tennessee, but they're going to grow up Cardinal fans because it's a Cardinal affiliate. And they're going to follow those guys all the way up until eventually they're playing in Bushfield in St. Louis. Exactly. And that's that's the whole model that works. And we've talked about it many times is growing from the grassroots up works. If you start off just trying to sell guys kids on the on just major league baseball it is not the high paced it is not the flashy game that football or basketball is and they and baseball will lose but if you sell them on you've been to this stadium this is something you're personally invested in you've seen you know these guys you know these guys you have some type of personal attachment there that is how you build lifelong mlb fans through the minor league system and to get rid of that is a ridiculous really a, a ludicrous argument by uh by manfred to say well we need to get rid of this in order to help fan support it's, it's a silly it, to, argument to, to say that you need to do this so that way you can pay the players better is ridiculous because hey you just raised it without cutting anyone that's right now granted it was a pittance you raised it but oh, yeah. still it's ridiculous to say that when you could just pay them more right I that's mean, I, I, like what i don't understand here is you don't pay these guys enough and you don't supplement the team enough to be able to afford to feed them and shit but yet you expect them to be in top condition right like like, so you you want your like top 100 in baseball prospect here to be living on you know 500 dollars a month if that and you expect them to you know have the top-of-the-line diet, top-of-the-line workout, top-of-the-line lifestyle, when they can't really afford more than, you know, getting a Domino's pizza every other night. Well, the the thing is, is that there's a disparity there as well. A lot of the guys who are maybe first-round picks, second-round picks, they'll get a little bit more money uh, than the other guys. Is Really, it's the, the guys who are maybe uh, international players or who are lesser known and wind up becoming big names that ultimately really pay the price because they're the ones who will be you know scrounging the bottom of the barrel uh, to try to make ends meet to try to survive well even still the same argument will apply though where if they're if technically they're in your system and they are contracted to your team you should want all of your prospects to do the top of the line thing absolutely because the more if the more diamond the rough prospects you find the better they're either a a trade ship to get you a superstar talent that you trade to get you Mookie Betts, or they're a guy that you have and go, ooh, a cost-effective option, so that way we don't have to pay this guy that, frankly, isn't worth $120 million over five years, $125 million, 
but we can let him go now because we don't need him anymore because we got a guy that's we're paying that's right a hundred thousand a year to do the same thing that's very true and that's exactly the point is if you're not going to treat these guys and these teams with respect then i don't think I think Blumenthal and others are right to not treat the MLB with respect. If you're not yeah. going to get respect, if you're not going to give respect, you shouldn't get it back. We'll do, they'll do anything to you. I mean, exactly. If Major League Baseball wants to play the strong arm game with Minor League Baseball, then it's perfectly fine for the federal government to do the same thing to them. Exactly. I agree. If you don't want to at least be reasonable, then why should there be reasonable discussion? It's a matter of, you already are getting a great deal with your antitrust exemption. Oh, you're yeah. already getting priority on several things here. Let's be honest here. If there's a major league player that has a visa issue, that's a phone call away for that thing to get signed and delivered. And by game time of the same day, that issue is sorted out. They are not missing more than one game, if that. It's a very quick phone call, too. It's a, it is a very easy phone call and fix. And so many people have, have and it's such a hot button issue is visas yeah. and things like that. And today, and to be able to have that, exemption in there really is something that is so important to a major league baseball to have that ability to say oh we need this guy to get into mm. to basically put him at the front of the line for a visa is so important and if they're not going to have that well exactly and the thing is too and i think what really kind of strikes a chord here and why i'm really signing with a lot of the people going against them here besides fight it's easy to side against major league baseball sure, especially with everything that's happened in the short term it's just, it doesn't seem like the mood, like this decision is motivated out of anything other than greed. If you 100%. were to say, look, and they were bulk of their argument was what their only part of their argument is, which is by having five different, sometimes six different levels of baseball, the top of the line prospects and the guys that can really flourish, they're held down and they're not able to succeed. And really, you're just stringing guys along that should have never been in the system to begin with. Or if they're saying, okay, by cutting down the, the levels here it's easier to follow and easier to get involved and understand the game of baseball at a deeper route if they were to make that argument i'd at least be somewhat receptive to it right but their argument is more or less these facilities aren't up to standard these this we can't afford to pay them like a livable wage which is laughable that the major league baseball can't <laughs> especially because i'm sure they're getting some sort of a tax exemption as well 100 oh, so they certainly can afford it we can't afford to do these basic things that really money can solve when you have a, well, it's essentially a boys club of 30 million, a 30 million to billionaires and a tax exempt organization. Exactly. Money is not an issue. That's one of the few things that's not an issue that right. can be solved. It shouldn't be an issue anyway. Exactly. And you're doing all this and it seems like you're mortgaging your future for a very short term gain. And again, I keep going back to minor league baseball is where fans are formed. Yep. And you're striking a chord with one of the most traditional Americana things that's known as a family night out. You're going after that, and you expect representatives to not go, huh, that team's in my district. It's a family night out thing. It's what a lot of these middle class voters like. I guess I should just let Major League Baseball go and destroy it. That's right. That That's, definitely won't backfire on me come November. It's unbelievable. I mean, it just is it's a miscalculation on so many levels by Major League Baseball. Even by doing this at all, they've pissed off fans, and that yeah. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense to piss off fans any more than they already are. When we've talked about you have thirty men, and there may I don't know. I don't know if there's, know any, if there's any female owners. I'm not sure if there's I, any any female owners, but even still perhaps men and women, but you have at least 30 owners who are at the top 
of American society, as wealthy as you can get. All right, so you have your smaller market teams, your Rays and your Royals, and so those those things I kind of understand. But for a team like the New York Yankees and the, to, to say, well, we can't pay our people a livable wage is a joke. It's laughable. It's just laughable. It, it's just ridiculous that you'd even be able to say that. And the other issue that I really have with all of this is that Manfred doesn't seem to understand that if you piss off a certain large portion of your fan base that is so embroiled and so interested in minor league baseball, then you're going to have face repercussions for major league baseball. And then the ratings that you say is going down are only going to get worse. And it's only going to be a self fulfilling prophecy of less people will come to games because you got rid of all the infrastructure that has made baseball so important and so important, particularly as America's pastime. Exactly. You're just continuing to mortgage the future for no reason whatsoever. And again, it just, I don't get why you're doing it. It makes absolutely zero sense whatsoever. And, you know, I, we've kind of talked at the death, so I don't want to keep going on with it. But even still, in, at the end of it, the main point that exists is it's a pointless move that was made for no real reason other than greed ostensibly. And it, you got. You can't help but wonder when are they just going to finally drop it, and if they take it to the full conclusion, are they really ready for the backlash? Because there's going to be 42 markets, which overwhelmingly will say, "Well, we're just done with Major League Baseball. We're done with baseball. That's just what's going to happen. It's going to be the same backlash you're going to get from not really punishing the Astros. Yeah. From what they will probably wind up doing, which is over punishing the Red Sox. Yep. What they will probably get from adding a DA adding a dh in the nl probably you, yeah you just keep doing things that are just seemingly unpopular and nobody's asking for and i kind of get why you do some of them like the astro one i guarantee you they weren't the only ones cheating in a similar way to that and so that's why you can't really smack them down too hard otherwise you're gonna get a worse mess but that right. means you can't then reactionary go worse on the red Sox. right you gotta down the standard set it's low but the standard is set right the standard is set and it's basically you can't do anything to the players Exactly. There's that. And you also have the fact of with the DH, I understand why you want uniform rules across everything. I get it. But no baseball fans clamoring for it. And it's part of the charm of the game where you have different rules. Right. I mean, I don't as a, as someone who's a fan of an American League team, I actually like interleague play when you get to see the different type of strategy involved. I think it really helps the game more than it hurts it. It doesn't make any sense to get rid of it the It makes DH. it different. It makes it stand out, and that's what you should want. It, it's, uh, <laughs> it's stupid to not. Right. It's just so stupid. I mean, any if anything, it should be the other way, where you get rid of the DH in its entirety if you're going to be uniform with it, because that's the way traditional baseball is played. Oh, people want to see, they, they don't want to see like low scoring games. They want to see 15, 13 games. Don't uh, you know? I mean, and that's probably true, but at the end of the day, if we're going to be uniform, let's be uniform in ways that people traditionally have liked. I mean, it just, there's a lot of arguments that we could go back and forth and major league baseball obviously isn't our topic, so I won't go too far with it. But the only thing I will say is this will have serious ramifications for independent league baseball. Were this dream league to be established, I think attendance would go down in certain regions, and I also think it would just be a whole drag on the entire system. It, it would just, honestly, adding a dream league is just going to make things even more complicated to understand, because you'll have affiliated ball, quasi-affiliated ball, independent league ball, then you'll have summer collegiate ball, you'll also have major league baseball that's at the top. For someone that's just kind of coming in, they're not going to kind of understand 
why this team in Connecticut isn't affiliated with anyone, why this team in Connecticut is a summer league for college players, why this team in Connecticut is actually affiliated with somebody, and they, they're just not going to get it. And it's yeah, it's 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 going to be a mess. It'll create a serious problem. And I think ultimately, when you disturb the structure that has worked for so long, it's just going to collapse. You're asking for problems by messing with things that weren't broken. Agreed. We'll move on now. We'll go to our rapid fire round. It's, those have seemingly been popular, so I figured why not? There's a bunch of topics that are worth just giving a, a quick gaze over. Looking at everything here, I'd say there's probably about eh, six minutes worth of time on it. So we will throw six minutes on the clock. We will then hit the start button in three, two, one. And away we go. Somerset's expanding the netting and replacing existing netting at TD Bank Ballpark. Nets will essentially cover everywhere there is seating. So anywhere there's a physical seat now from basically the one railing to the other railing, that will have netting going down in front of it, traditional netting. And anywhere that basically has the built structure around it so the concourse it's covered right. which is basically halfway down the first baseline to halfway down the third baseline that will also have overhead netting so if a ball gets hit there i'll just roll back down uh overall thought i'm always so so on netting i know it's like such a weird topic to be pro or against netting right i get it i understand why it's there because a scorcher coming in off one or no hop is very difficult to catch, especially when you have small children that are laying or are sitting down low. Right. And it's about and a ball that's coming in off the bat at about oh over a hundred miles an hour yeah. is going to kill a child. That's just as simple as that. It'll certainly do some damage if not permanent, you know, death yeah. and uh, you know absolutely. Well death often tends to be permanent. Right, you know, per- permanent damage and death is probably more the way to say it. But yeah, no, I I, I think it's probably a good move. I, d- I dislike it because I always thought part of the charm was being able to go get the foul ball. Yeah, um, which I mean technically in the non, like good seats i guess uh, the, the, the the far side seats right technically you can still get it I sure mean, it, it technically. Be like a lob shot yeah i mean it, it's not impossible but i do think that it's it's safer and it, yeah. especially for a team like the patriots that you know if you if they get sued it's a serious issue um, yeah. if someone gets hit and they get sued although i imagine the back of the ticket would cover them where it says look shit's coming out of play you, head who, up who knows i mean it's it, those things are difficult to, you know the courts go through these things and the litigation on it is murky so uh, the only thing i would say is that I, I don't like it from the standpoint of i think it will take away from watching the game and having that experience part of the thing that's so cool about baseball live is that you can really feel like there's nothing you're in the you. splash zone. yeah exactly you're you're in in the in in the field of play almost like you're sitting right there yep. especially at minor league games so i think that takes away from part of the charm but for safety precautions like i get why they did it exactly plus like i said when going back to the when we talked about the jackals in some ways to get interaction going when we're talking about their new gm this could also be a thing where you throw something off the board you can have people on their phones more actively now and go look we made proper precautions for this uh, we said this could be an issue so we send to the net yeah and everyone's on their phones anyway the game. exactly so i'm it's a safety issue no doubt uh next thing up here the palm springs power have won the california winter league it's Ooh. another kind of developmental league that helps move guys on to various indie leagues or even affiliated systems they had an a3 win over the canada a's yes think that through canada a <laughs> canada a <laughs> yeah the canada a's 
any event, they won that. Uh, best player on the team this past, I guess, season, even though it's more of like a round-robin tournament type thing, right. uh, was Layden Barnes. He had a 423 batting average, 23, wow. or 20, not 23, 12 runs created on average in advanced metrics, so it's good. Wow. And an OPS of over a thousand. So wow. So he's in seventeen games. Yeah, he's certainly something else. Exactly. Solid perform there. Not sure if he was signed or not, but just figured mention the California yeah. Winter League. He should be, yeah, it's pretty cool. I think the winter leagues are really important for guys to really get their name out there, get themselves going. So I think that's a really cool thing and congratulations to the victors. To the Palm Springs Power. Any case, we'll go to the final bits here, which is Jackal Talk. Ooh. Enter the den. Jackal sign Dylan Brammer. He translated from a uh, starter in 2018 to a bullpen guy in 2019 and was very successful there. An ERA of 1.29, 9 saves, 49 Ks in 42 innings pitch. So very good there. That was just regular season, though. His postseason was somehow Ooh. better. Wow. Seven and a third innings pitched, four saves, only two walks, eight strikeouts, and a giant ERA of zero. Wow, that is ridiculous. Yeah, this is obviously a, a huge, huge pickup, and it's something that they're going to really be able to have and, and use in a long-term way. Dylan is obviously fantastic, and if he has anywhere near the success that he had all season, and of course in the postseason, then they will. the Jackals will be certainly very happy with that. Exactly. Solid pitcher all the way around. A really talented bullpen arm there, and oh, again, yeah. that adds to arguably the best bullpen. <clears throat> I'm not sure why my voice is going when I say bullpen, but... The best bullpen. Well, yeah, one of the best bullpens in independent league baseball. Oh, but 100%. That bullpen is loaded. I mean, you have Brammer, you have Dallas, you have Testor, will probably be a starter this year, but right. you still have Carlius, you have a slew of other guys that have come in and got, and come out, but it's just, it's a stack bullpen. It's going to be a fun year. 100%. Uh, and then they also traded David Harris, our guy Rattler. No, Rattler. Uh, he goes. He got moved to Southern Maryland, the Atlantic League. And oh, they well, got, that's okay. Yeah, they got future considerations, everyone's favorite player, and John he- or John Hayes back as well. How he translates to uh, Southern Maryland will be very interesting to see how he does there. Yeah, no, he's a talented outfielder, and it'll definitely adjust there. He batted over 340 in a handful of games. Very productive guy. He slugged almost 500 as well. Uh, more than that, though, as far as Hayes is concerned, He's a young utility guy, strikes out a lot of guys, bloods up a lot of runs. He'll have to correct that going forward. And that is the rapid fire round. I saw something fun kind of going around Twitter in the uh, well beginning part of the week about a bunch of like the extreme version of every other sport because that <laughs> happens whenever an XFL game day comes on. Oh, all sure. the fans there, which I'm sure our fans are very thoroughly tired of hearing us talk about the XFL. 100%. So we're going to talk about the extreme baseball league, the Ooh. extreme version of of baseball is it extreme or is it extreme x with an x Ooh. that's what the x stands for x is a variable it can be anything you want wow it can even be major league wow <laughs> that really that took like 20 minutes for me to uh put the neurons together on that one any case so i was just figuring we could spend like five ten minutes here it's kind of a cool down segment to talk about uh what kind of rules or what your extreme baseball league would look like, seeing as we have the Super Baseball League, our Super Indie League episode that's due out next week. So as kind of a precursor to it, I suppose, this would be a nice thing here. Just uh, maybe two or three rules that you would expect to see in the extreme 
so indies in, leagues. In extreme indie leagues, the first rule I gotta have is four outs. Right? That's four a big outs. four outs. A four and out. A four outs. I think that would be really cool. That would really completely change how offense is played. I think you'd have a lot more offense, a lot more hitting. So certainly if we're going by extreme rules, that's one there. Another one that I could see that would be also really interesting is, is if we're talking extreme here and anything goes, I think you're, you're dealing with bats, uh, that maybe aren't metal, but certainly are maybe composite, like those D Marini composite mm-hmm. bats. I think you could see some of those that would allow for, uh, you know, higher and farther home runs. I think that would be a really interesting one. Uh, And then I guess my the the last one would be, you know, kind of doing what the Atlantic League is doing and messing with the mound, moving it back, putting it up. I think if we're going extreme, that's extreme. (laughs) Not that anybody wants to see it. Okay, my extreme league, first thing off the bat, we're not testing for any sort of drug. Oh, that's boy. just God. Oh, I like that. We're not that. drug testing. Oh, I like that. What you do to your own body, that's on you. Oh, I like that a lot. If you do steroids, just let me know. And it's probably going to kill you early. Like, that's just something you're going to have to accept. But I'm not going to stop you from doing it. Wow. That's first off. Secondly here, there's no DH. That's BS. We know my thoughts on the DH. That's right. Thirdly, we're using metal bats. Just straight up metal bats. Ooh, metal bats. Some will say, oh, well, then a line drive back at the pitcher could kill him. Would, would Absolutely, but this is the extreme baseball league. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know what you're getting into. I suppose for safety reasons, as if that matters, oh, gosh. we could put up one of those kind of pitching screens. But let's be honest, that just encumbers the game. We need to return the game to the fans, and we need to see metal bat home runs we need to see telvin ash with a metal bat crushing shit 500 yards it's not true. feet yards wow that's I deeper than a golf drive yeah i don't think that's how that's gonna work at all well but, maybe if we get the right guy with the right mix of drugs and the right bat that's, maybe so anything right. barry bonds in his prime doing more drugs than he was doing then because he legally could with a metal bat you're telling me he couldn't hit fi- he couldn't hit 1500 feet uh, I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm willing to bet that he would. I'm taking that bet. But yeah, no, I think, I don't know. Metal bats would never obviously legitimately happen in professional baseball. But I really do think those composite bats would could actually be a, a feasible thing to implement. I want metal bats. I know you do. I want metal bats. It won't have. I want those old aluminum bats. Not even the new metal ones. Those old aluminum ones where if you hit it, it would just, you know, take off like a rocket. Oh, you see, now that's another one. Uh, let's see, what else would you put in for the Extreme Baseball League? There's well, a couple of good ones. Oh, there's, 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 there's definitely there. There's a couple of good ones. I mean, I, I would definitely do some crazy things uh, like, you know, every once in a while, let let uh, hit by, you know, let hit by pitch go. So you let one go, you let a guy get hit and not take first base or something oh, like that. Oh, wait, I know exactly how we, I know how we solved the metal bat issue. We just removed the pitcher in favor of a pitching machine. Oh, that's we not. We automate it. That's terrible. We automate it. That's awful. But this is how we solve it. We can allow the DH because the pitcher's just removed from the game entirely. That's terrible. Look, I like this idea. We go ahead. We have it set. So that way it just throws 85 mile per hour meatballs down the middle. Yeah, okay. So This is Manfred ball now. Yeah. The, the, this is Manfred ball. Stop talking about Bartolo Colon at the end of his career, all right? Look, Bartolo can still get people out. Oh, he's no doubt. He just changed speeds. So you, right. It's the same pitch, changed just a different level, space and speed. Yeah, speeds. But yeah, anyway, uh, I think the extreme rules uh, of anything are over the top, uh, eccentric, and something that I would not enjoy. But I do like the way the XFL has done things, but I don't think, I don't hope for it in, in baseball. I want metal bats and steroid users. And that's not going to happen. Let's do it. We'll start it. 
Exactly. So go to the GoFundMe page yeah, yeah. that will start after this to go fund the Extreme Baseball League. The Extreme Baseball League. Guys, we're going off the rails, so we'll wrap it up here. Yeah, I think this was a solid show all the way around. Oh, a solid 100%. rebound off of last week. A hundred percent. And so with that, we should plug and get out of here. Plug. So plug your stuff first. Plug. If you go to at Indie Ball Report James on Instagram, you'll find me. I post some things, but mostly it's for you to direct message me, comment on some of the pictures. We'll talk about anything you want me to talk about. It's an inbox, folks. It's an inbox. Talk about anything you need. Ask any questions. Feel free. I will answer all of them to the best of my ability. All right. And if you just want the, you know, the generic Indie Ball Report, that's Indie Ball Report on Instagram. That posts stuff occasionally, you know. It used to be a lot more, then it became a lot of work, so then it's got scaled back. You know, I'm just being straight with you. That's just the way it is. The way it is. So, still go there. We still post a bunch of player transactions on the story. That's really where you can keep up to date with everything the best. Uh, then you can also go over to Indie Ball, I believe it's Indie Ball Pod, yes. Then you can go to Indie Ball Pod on Twitter and just see everything that we retweet and all the tweet outs, everything. That's where you get the direct link to each episode every Saturday. So you go right there for that. You could also find everything. Show notes. You can find articles. You can find videos. You can Ooh. find the episodes. You can find it all on IndieBallReport.com. That is our website. Go there to find everything. Speaking of which, there will be a new, there will be a new article out by the time you listen to episode 52 Ooh. as it will be the new 52 comic fans will understand that they will be all about the exodus of atlantic leaguers from the atlantic league we got quotes from several of them we're trying to get quotes from executives as well to see what they have to say you know fair and balanced as it should be have both sides there and then myself and the special co-author will render our verdict at the end of it it'll be a good article to read you don't want to miss it so definitely check the website check the social media for that it'll be tweeted out when it's done from there you can also find the podcast on TuneIn, stitcher podomatic spotify apple podcast all of them you should subscribe on all of them rate and review them all there as well we're up to like 36 ratings all of which five stars not gonna ma- not gonna brag about it though not a big deal humble brag not a big deal at all but try and get that number up to over 50 it helps raise us in the search results gets more views you know how this works more people better stuff quite higher quality content you know the deal so with that being said do we have anything else left to add nothing left to add just looking forward to baseball getting started and hopefully a resolution between the mlb and uh the mlib and so with that we will end this show like we end every show and don't forget to play ball (laughs) 